It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good evening, Bears fans, and welcome to this Monday night edition of the CHGO Bears After Dark Podcast. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. And how's it going, everybody? Will DeWitt, Greg Bragg Jr., Mark Carmen, and Nicholas Moriano here for you on this Monday night. Sorry for the delay. We did have a loafer on the panel. I saw a few people throwing in the comments, wondering why is everyone so late. I got bl- I got blame for this. Uh, Kurt's blaming me. No, I, this one is uh, I must fall on the, on the sword here. I. You know, last week the show was at seven. Apparently, it got moved to six thirty. Apparently, I didn't check my my notifications properly. This is one hundred percent on me. I apologize to the entire crew. I I apologize to Bears fans everywhere. And uh, quite frankly, I I uh, I don't know. I'll have to make it up in some way, shape, or form that I haven't figured out quite yet. But uh, I'm glad to be here now. <laughs> it works out. Yeah, I believe me. If I was. I think- I I'd, I'd want to shoot me too, Will DeWitt. That's what I would do. I would I would I would <laughs> I would I would this carving character. It's not because people think it's because of my boilermakers. It's not. That's a good. I'm win still for riding high from a big win today, but good. ready to Congrats. touch the bears. Congratulations, Bregs. That's a good win for you. Excited. Anyway, let's get into a ton of stuff going on here, guys. Yeah, there's definitely a ton of stuff going on, and we can just kind of kick this evening off just by talking about. Really, they call it Super Wild Card Weekend, and I really think the word "super" defines it perfectly. Just with all the games that were, you know, unfolding between Saturday, Sunday. I'm excited about the one that we have here tonight on Monday night. Uh, but obviously, those games were very exciting, and all four of us here can't wait until the Bears are there, hopefully next year, and we can actually have some fun conversations surrounding that team this time of year. But as of right now, we're just still in, you know, lesson gathering mode, right? Learning some lessons from the teams that are in the playoffs or just, you know, from the playoffs in general that we can kind of keep in our back pocket uh, for next season and beyond. But I was open up to the panel. uh, If you had any big lessons or any big takeaways, I should say uh, from this super wild card weekend. Yeah. Let me start off here real quick. So these, these teams that are obviously in the playoffs, the best of the best, right. That make it, uh, each year, but it always seems like there are teams that when it comes to time management, you guys, they it completely goes over their heads. So let's, if you look at the Dolphins game, for example, with 229 left in the game, the Dolphins were facing a fourth and one on their own 48 yard line. Again, they have a third string quarterback and it obviously played the entire game, but they were called for a delay of game because they couldn't get the playoff in time. Fourth and five, the fields convert. It just in the whole entire game, it seemed like Mike McDaniel and, you know, just the play wasn't coming in right. And it was just very delayed for the operation throughout the entirety of the game. Go to even last night's game between 
the Bengals and Ravens, the Baltimore, their final drive they're on the Cincinnati 46 yard line, more than three minutes left on the clock, but they were just, they had such a laid back approach to just getting up to the line of scrimmage, calling plays, end up having to throw a hail Mary, which they almost got in the end there, but it was so lackadaisical. And that, that surprised me because Harbaugh as a coach too, that they had all these timeouts, didn't bother to really use them, end up losing that game. There's a big goal line play, which we'll, we'll talk about later in the show. But just it seems like like all this time and effort that the coach has put into the game plan, things like that, when it's actually happening, time management sometimes just goes right over their head. So that's something that I kind of just uh, learned about with some of the teams that played uh, the last two days. It's an interesting one, Nick, if you think about the Bears were in no pressure to win football games this year. So how will Matt Eberflus handle that when it actually matters? We don't have the answers to that. Uh, hopefully he'll do well. At least that's we all have our fingers crossed on that. But it, it is a question mark at this point. Uh, for me, it's uh, there's kind of a, a combination of what's going on with the quarterbacks. Patience in the case of Daniel Jones, who Giants fans wanted to run out of town. And all of a sudden, he looks like, I don't know. He could be their quarterback for the next 10 years. That's on the table with how well he's playing. So I think that's a good reminder that it might not, hey, what happens, and nobody believe, thinks this is going to happen, or very few, but if Field starts out slow next year, there'll probably be a ton in there if he can't figure out the passing game. Mm-hmm. Just that's all, I think, a little bit of patience here uh, with the quarterback position. As much as we all want it right now, that, that was on display. And the drafting the quarterback. The Brock Purdy's of the world, taking swings in late rounds, putting them in good systems, making it easily digestible. All those things were, uh, you know, under the umbrella of teams that won games in the playoffs this weekend. So uh, there's uh, a recurring lesson in that one. I think that, you know, Bears fans, the Bears can can digest. Um, For me, uh, looking at the Niners scope, I was just watching that game and just kind of laughing to myself, thinking how good Justin Fields would be on the San Francisco 49ers. And it's a relevant conversation because they should have and could, they could have and should have drafted him. You know, they draft Trey Lance, taking a shot at him. Justin Fields on that team would be unbelievable, unbelievable. And yeah, Brock Purdy deserves credit, but just the weapons they have around him, the line they have on him, everything we want as Bears fans, the system they run, the consistency in which they run it. He's throwing check downs to Debo Samuel five yards. He's wide open. And then Debo's going 65 yards of the house. Okay. Those stats all go to Brock Purdy, but that's the talent around Brock Purdy. That's making that happen. And if Justin Fields was on that team, he'd be, in my opinion, an MVP candidate. That's how good he'd be on that team. And I just look at that from that lens. Cause we still somehow we're back in the discussion of, whether or not Justin's the guy, what you know, whether fans think he's the guy or whether the front office thinks he's the guy. And I think it's a ridiculous conversation because when you look like everybody's like, oh, well, that's the extreme. The San Francisco 49ers are so good. You know, no, not every team is like that. Well, you know what? If he's he's either capable or he's not. And Justin Fields is capable. And if you think Justin Fields couldn't go to the Niners and play very well, you're crazy. And everyone's like, oh, well. Anybody could. That's not true. Jimmy Garoppolo, if you look at his six starts with the San Francisco 49ers, he struggled to move the ball and be a consistent offense. What they did with Brock Purdy was totally different than what they're used to with Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe it was lightning lightning in a bottle for one game, but that was my biggest takeaway looking at that. And then obviously Minnesota Vikings within our division going 14 and three. We all knew 
They played in all these close games. They were the exact opposite of what the Bears were all season and letting every bounce go their way to win every single one-score game they were in. And it came back to bite them when they got in the playoffs and lost in the first. So they go 14-3, and and then they go 0-4 when they make the playoffs. So, you know, that's that's, you know, just interesting to see how they're going to go going into next year. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I know we can talk about them later on throughout the episode and their situation. The guys talked about it this afternoon, uh, too. Uh, I guess for me, just real quickly, it's just something that we talked about here on the After Dark episodes throughout the year. Uh, But I think this weekend was a great, I don't know, just uh, way to just summarize it all up or just put it into a good perspective. But the parody in this league is just unreal right now. It really is. You just look at the games throughout the weekend. Like the Seahawks were pretty much in that game until the second half. The Jaguars coming back the the way they did. The Dolphins keeping that game so much closer than the Bills that anybody ever expected with their quarterback situation being down to the third string too. The Vikings losing to the Giants, as Greg just mentioned, and the Giants were underdogs. And same thing with the Ravens last night. They were right in the thick of it at the end. So my lesson that I've learned at least is anything can happen. You just have to be invited to the dance, really. It's an excellent underlining. It's tight. How many how many games did the Bears lose by one score this year? Seven. Right. Uh, now I think to Bragg's point about Minnesota, I think you know those who didn't buy into the Vikings were proven correct. A lot of close games, a lot of things going their way. We all remember Amir Smith Marset. So I still think though when you look at Minnesota going forward, like the Vikings are, I don't think they're going anywhere. I, I don't. I wonder if the Packers are going to be right where they're supposed to be with Aaron coming back if that happens. And then Detroit's coming up. So, I mean, the North could be really tough next year, even if the Bears do make a big step. Yeah, even though it, what, it took one week to bounce out everybody from the NFC North, it was just the Vikings. But like you mentioned, Mark, there's, you know, the Bears make this jump, hopefully, with their picks and all the free agents they bring in. And if, you know, Rodgers makes another run, then you have to count in the Packers. That defense underperformed all season. Detroit showed you what they're capable of doing. And then, yeah, Minnesota, obviously, first-year head coach. They win 13 games. That's still impressive. But it seems like they're with Kirk Cousins, it, there's always like a cap that happens with that team. But we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. Hey, that's another year I'm going full office. meatball. Aaron Rodgers is retiring, guys. The Packers <laughs> are going to suck. The Lions are the Lions. They didn't make the playoffs. They're throwing parades. They're going to suck next year. And the Vikings, as good as they were, fourth and eight, and your franchise quarterback, everybody's like, oh, Justin needs to be a pocket passer. They got a pocket passer over there that throws 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns every year. And he's throwing a three-yard out route on fourth and eight with their season on the line. They make all these jokes because we got a running back for a quarterback is all I ever hear. Well, guess what? Justin Fields would have got that first down. He wouldn't have thrown a three-yard out route. So have, have fun with that. You know, I'm sure Justin Jefferson, when he's looking at that extension down the barrels, I'm going to be thinking about that a few times. <laughs> Rise and shine. We got this division, baby. In the bag. Shambles. Bears about to take it. There we go. Uh, about tonight, real quick. So we, of course, we have uh, the Cowboys versus the Buccaneers. Who you guys got tonight? Obviously, like, you can root for someone, but don't expect them to win. We all know where Nick's going with his dog named Brady after Tom and everything. Like you don't have to ask the man who he's rooting for. It's number twelve. 
Uh, to me, personally, it's uh, a case of like, I don't think I'm rooting for anybody. I just hope it's a good game. And hopefully some bets work out along the way because I don't like the Cowboys. I love watching the Cowboys choke in the playoffs, but also I'm tired of Tom Brady because he's dominated pretty much my entire lifetime of football. And I want to see some other teams and other quarterbacks take this new era and just own it. Uh, but that's just where I'm at. What about you guys? Selfishly for my picks, I've got the Cowboys winning the NFC. So I, I to make myself the genius that I am, I will be hoping that Dallas proves me correct along with Greg Braggs, who also has that. Uh, but if Brady ends up staying in, it's always more entertaining when he's playing. If love him, hate him, whatever, it's more entertaining when he's there. And he's never lost to Dallas 7-0. and Not that it matters because you're playing this Cowboys team, but there's a stat for you. So uh, I, I, I'm just very much looking forward to what we're going to get to see tonight. Well, maybe, you know, I shouldn't be surprised if they come out and win this game today, but their games have just been so ugly for Tampa Bay mm-hmm. this year. Their game, it's not even, even when they pull out a win, it's like pulling teeth is really what they're pulling. It, it's hard to watch their games. So from that alone, I just would prefer the Cowboys to get through just so we can have the better football teams advance. Then next weekend, another great weekend of football coming up. Um, you know, we can have these good matchups. Uh, that's basically how I see it. Yeah, I got the Cowboys in the Super Bowl, losing to the Bills. But, you know, uh, uh, apart from that, yeah, I just, you know, it's nice to see the changing of the guard with all these young quarterbacks starting to take over the league for sure. What did you all make well, of the Bills yesterday, by the way? I mean, it, obviously they underperformed against a team that was playing their third-string quarterback, like at home too. It's not a good look, but I think, you know, obviously you you win that game, you put that behind you, now you have Cincinnati. You can't – if you do that against Cincinnati, you're going to get blown out. Like that can't happen. But I've still, I still have faith in the Buffalo Bills. I have them in the Super Bowl. I have them winning the Super Bowl in, in my picks here. I still think Tremaine Edmonds was the great in his defense. Just saying. Ooh. Love that guy. He laid the wood on that one hit. He mm-hmm. did. That that's kind of the fun part about where we're at as Bears fans in the offseason. Now, because like during the year, we have to like tweet mostly about our team and there's some struggles. And it now we're sitting at home and I just get to make fun of everybody else's team. <laughs> and the other thing I can do on Twitter is anytime a player makes a big play, I just put future bear. Even if I don't believe it, I'll just every player the rest of the postseason and any free agent like rumor i hear future bear every single time is a fun game to play is it's really is i think i was telling nick about tremaine edmonds back like week one whenever that roke one crap mm-hmm. came out like before the game i was like that's okay tremaine edmonds probably be a little cheaper I maybe that. as good yeah i mean they were drafted in the same draft i think he's a more natural fit for this defense there's a lot of ways that we can get dive into it but we'll, we'll get there in due time it's a long off season uh, ahead for us anything else about you know this weekend or anything of that nature guys i know nick you're talking about the time management that was making me scratch my head last night a bit from harbaugh the only thing that i thought about was maybe you're just trying not to give burrow another chance and they're going to go for two and, and then try to win that game but I felt like they shot themselves in the foot more than anything with like the lack of chances they could have had because they let so much time click off, you know, take off the clock there. Yeah, no, that's a good point. One thing I do want to mention about that Minnesota Vikings and New York Giants game, like we we always talk about the Bears not having a lot of receivers. You could you could say that about the Giants when you think about it. Um, other than Saquon Barkley, 
in terms of actual playmakers, like there's not a lot of guys that stand out, but Isaiah Hodgins, who the Giants, I believe, picked up in November, had over a hundred yards in that game receiving. And that's a byproduct of what, you know, Brian Dable and obviously Daniel Jones were able to do. And I just I look at how they ran that that offense and think, man, okay, Justin Fields obviously a quarterback that can get outside the pocket and get yards with his legs, but also Hey, if you can get a, a similar style of getting the, whatever playmakers you have available, the most out of them, like you did with that Giants offense, like that would be a, a sweet spot to be if you're the Bears, you know, next year with Luke Getzey, if they can get to that point. But yeah, guy, Isaiah Hodgins is not supposed to get 100 yards in a playoff game. He did yesterday, which is pretty incredible. Couple other for me. Uh, J.K. Dominic should have gotten the football. Baltimore, what are you doing? Give it to your running back who wants to plow in and kill everybody and who's now calling you out after the game. I'm completely with him. That did not add up. And I just, you know, it's it's not getting any real conversation because the Bears lack a talent. But would I rather have Brian Dable than the Flues? It's, I think it's, you got to be impressed with what they've done over there. I mean, Mm -hmm. What he what they have done with Daniel Jones is impressive. And I also pointed what the Vikings did, even bowing out. Kevin O'Connell, you know, you win 13 games your first year and a lot of close games. That's impressive too. So I get it. Didn't have the horses, built a culture, no reason to be down on the fluce, but it does, you know, there's some first year head coaches doing pretty well. Yeah, and I mean, he was a big favorite of all, like a lot of Bears fans. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say all. Uh, a lot of Bears fans run this time last year when the head coach search was like in, you know underway and you're coming up with a short list of candidates and you know, he was someone that they interviewed. And yeah, it's interesting to watch the first year GM head coach tandem do what they did in New York. You hit it with the more talent to kind of work with off the, off the gate, but still it's always fun to peek on the other side of the fence and see how green that grass is. And over in New York, pretty damn green. It's pretty a terrible, damn green. Way, terrible way to live your life. I've been doing it for 40 some <laughs> odd years. Grass is always greener somewhere else. Let's put two feet right here on bears after dark, baby. Let's go. Boom. Uh, to continue this conversation, you guys uh, got to tell everybody about shady rays, which are premium polarized shades featuring world-class, Optical clarity, substantial durability, and styles cater to everyone and every lifestyle. The best part about Shady Rays, they have the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. If you lose or break your shades on day one, they told us they'll send you a brand new pair. Like the one that Greg has right now after watching the stream right now, no questions asked. So even with that strong protection program, I can tell you that holding in my hand seems like just any, as good as any expensive pair I've ever owned. I've had a bunch of sunglasses. Shady Rays, you'll look just as cool as Greg if you if you get yours right right now. Maybe and Shady cool. Rays, <laughs> maybe Shady Rays customers seem to agree too with over two hundred thousand five star reviews. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is running their deepest deal of the season. Use code CHGO for fifty percent off two or more pairs at shadyrays.com. Buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as fifty four dollars. Redeem only at shadyrays.com, where you can find all the newest and best shades. Yeah, and I want to tell everybody about our guys at Chi-Town Custom Cornhole, the number one cornhole provider for Chicagoland and Illinois since 2007. 
Uh, their signature box style design can be digitally printed, covered in vinyl, and painted. Their cornhole boards come with built-in drink holders recessed in on the back, LED board, LEDs that light up the hole and exterior, handles for easy carrying, and handcrafted scorekeepers. Veteran-owned and operated, they can ship anywhere and offer local pickups, specializing in corporate designs for your company's next marketing or social event, wedding gifts, and gifts for all occasions, and especially for tailgaters and backyard barbecues. Go check out their website, shytowncornhole.com, and make sure to follow them on Instagram at Shytown Custom Cornhole Boards. All right, we'll keep this train rolling. And we talked about the weekend and talked about tonight. So we may as well start looking ahead to tomorrow because it's a huge day for the Bears and their history as they're going to kind of introduce and make official Kevin Warren as the team CEO and new president. So before we ever get to him actually talking to us and speaking to us, I just want to know, like, what do you guys want to hear from him tomorrow? I have a few things, but I'll open up to everyone first. And if there's anything left over here, I'll go ahead and take it. I'll go first, I guess. I was speechless. I'll go. Let me just. Gentlemen, Chicago, Bears fans, Virginia, this is the job that I've always wanted. I can't believe it was presented to me to be the new president and CEO of the charter franchise of the NFL is a dream come true. And I will not rest until we are the premium NFL organization and it's not even remotely debatable. The best stadium with the best amenities for our fans, for our players, for this city. And I remember 1985, but that's the last thing I ever want to think about. I want banners and I want many and I will not rest I will not even go to the bathroom until I have done something in every single day to make us get there. And I just, and I am internally grateful for this opportunity. Thank you. Goodbye. And that's what I'm looking for. He can go to the bathroom. It's unhealthy. Tonight. Greg, you need to build a brick wall right now. I'm about to run through that after that speech from Mark Carmen. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, now, if, if he comes out and says brick by brick, it's over. It's over. I will, I will. That's a walk off on the job site. Um, no, I, I, you know, for me, I just, I echo a lot of what Mark just said, you know, cause it can't just be about the money. Everybody knows he's a money guy, but we want success on this football field. You know, when they put Ted Phillips resume up in the final week of the season, and Ted Phillips is retiring and here are his accolades. He was the president for this amount of time. Like that's no, we want, you know, the success of the franchise on the field, part of this next president's resume. You know, uh, stadium is going to be great. You know, it should be great. I don't care who the president is. You can put billions of dollars into a stadium. It better look nice. You know, I I know he has a reputation with building stadiums, and that's great. That's what you should do to hire. But we want a winning franchise on the football field. And people can say, oh, well, the president, you know, Ted Phillips is a money guy. This guy's a money guy. They don't have – they have an effect on the team on the field. There are different situations that Ted Phillips was involved in the decisions of who the coach was going to be, who they could have traded up for a running back like LaDainian Tomlinson, which was vetoed, you know, um, reportedly by Ted Phillips. Those are the things that do affect 
what we see every day, every week on our television screens and when we're in the stands at Soldier Field. So I want this guy to really make a stance of how he's going to make an impact, not only making this a successful franchise in the pocketbooks, but on the football field as well. Yeah, I think for me, it, honestly, if he just comes out and says, I'm, I want to take the Chicago Bears organization and move it into the modern era where everybody else is at, because it seems like for so long, um, just with current ownership and how things have been run, it's it's been a thing of the past where everything's kind of, they do the same thing, stay by the books. But with Kevin Warren, he does have different different ways of thinking. See how he gets these media seven to eight billion dollar media rights deals done. You bring USC, UCLA. Those are not just common moves, right? By anybody, right? So, just a new way of thinking of how to approach it. You know, this new stadium, whatever they end up doing with it, and how that can cater to Bears fans, right? Because I think that's going to be a big part of what he's going to obviously be a part of when he starts. I think officially what is April seventeenth, but. That's what you want to hear. We're not going to hear. We're we're not going to hear him say whether or not it's actually going to be moved to Arlington Heights. He's definitely not going to say anything like that. But man, if he says it, Mark, I know you won't be happy, but I know you know there will be a large portion of Bears fans that will agree with with that. But that's kind of the big takeaway for me. Like, get the Bears in the modern era in terms of a facility that works that caters to them, and that will also cater to the fan base because just having traveled to some of these other stadiums. The Bears are in the past. They need to get in the present. Let, let me just add on this, Will, for, to, to Nick's point, and then I can't wait for what you're going to say here. Uh, I was I was born in 1963. The Chicago Bears won a championship there at Wrigley Field with great Dick Buckus, with 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 uh, with with Ed O'Bradovich, with just the the salt of the earth. And you know what? We're the Chicago Bears, and everything as far as being the Chicago Bears as far as our future stadium is on the table. We will, of course, be exploring other options, but we are the Chicago Bears. Something along those lines. Please, Chicago Bears. Let's go. There you go. I like it. You can be a ghostwriter for (laughs) introductory press conference speeches. I'm not going to lie. You got it. You had a knack for it. Thanks, Will. It was rolling off the tongue. I mean, you guys hit on it. I mean, stadium is going to be a buzzword. I don't care if he says Chicago. I don't care if he says Arlington Heights. If he says new and stadium, I think everyone's going to be happy, and that's probably the middle ground that they can kind of walk right now. But I just want to hear about why he believes he's the right man for the job. What's he going to bring to this organization in terms of like the culture? Obviously, he he doesn't have like direct relationships with like the players in terms of like he's not the GM. But what I, I was reading an article yesterday in like the Chicago Chicago Tribune, I was just talking about like how he commands respect that he has a presence. You feel him when he's in the build, building and. He is a, you know, a high-strung type A that wants to be surrounded by other high-strung type A individuals. And with the Bears kind of just always going with their status quo over the last 20-plus years, how, is this, like, how does he if, you know, I guess intend to impact the culture, change it to be not as complacent? And then from there, you know, I just wanted to see it kind of all come to, you know, come to place. But that's about it. I just really am excited about it. He seems like a great fit. And 
uh, we'll see how I guess visible he'll even be to like to the media too over time because we don't usually hear from team presidents all too much, but he seems like someone that could have some sort of presence, which I don't think would be a bad thing for the Bears too. Just kind of like with polls, being a little bit more familiar with the media than other than Pace. It's It's been really refreshing, good to see, and maybe he'll be the same. That's about yeah, it. Nothing nothing crazy, Carm. And I'm seeing people yeah. in the chat, you know, my guy Chubbs and Robert Friel talking about, you know, they don't care about, they don't cater to the Bears fans. They don't care about the fans. They're just worried about making money. And it's not about the team. It's just about making George McCaskey money. You know what? That's their job is to make money. That's fine. Tom Ricketts, when he bought the Cubs, he's there to make money too. He's there to improve everything around Wrigley Field to make it this attraction. But he also made the hires necessary to bring the first World Series championship home since 1908. And when a team is winning, that's when the money flow really is coming in. So you can talk about all they care about. If all they care about is money, then they should care about winning Super Bowls because they're gonna make so much. They're gonna make money hand over fist. Then you're making money no matter what if you're a Chicago sports team. But when you start winning championships, it takes it to a whole nother stratosphere. So their goal should be even in spite of the fact that they can get our money. No, they're gonna get my money no matter what. But if they win championships, they're gonna get twice as much money. So they can make all the money they want as long as they win me a damn Super Bowl before I die. Hey, brick by brick. Are you out? Are you, you're out over your skis here. Look, we are you more than anyone. As you get a little left nostril pick here, uh, <laughs> you, you, dude, we are going to have the most fan friendly stadium. We are not going to charge eighteen dollars for a beer in our new place. We want you to come out here and and, and feel like you can enjoy the ball game. Hot dogs are going to be, you know, three four dollars because we want you to enjoy what the Bears are going to be. We, we, we have enough money. We've been incredibly successful. I have been instructed by, by uh, the McCaskies to, to make us the most fan-friendly team in the NFL. We'll, we'll, we'll still make plenty of dollars. Everyone's going to be swell. You know, everyone's going to be great. Wouldn't that be awesome to hear versus what you just said, the, back in the Ricketts family and everything they're doing over there, uh, not paying for one of their dudes after you win a World Series. Come on, man. Come on, man. I'm just saying, they got it done. I'm not greedy. I'd love 10 Super Bowls. I'll take one at this point, Mark. You saw 85. Uh, sure, sure. I Listen, they win a Super Bowl. That's fantastic. They have a consistent, but it, it, they're, you can do both, man. Arthur Blank and the Falcons, they, now it's different. They have to incentivize people to come to games. They don't have the, the rabid fan base that we have in Chicago, <laughs> but it wouldn't, you know, and the Bears have had to, you know, because of the Park District or whatever else, I mean, they've just, I'm thinking about the fans, man. Concession prices at Soldier Field have always been miserable. Why can't that mm-hmm. change? Why can't that be different going forward? Why can't we, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. You, yeah, we've got you caught in here. This is, yeah, yeah, you do. And you don't have to take advantage of that. It'd be a cool thing if you, you know, took a couple dollars off the table to, you know, just show the fans how much you appreciate them. I don't think that's asking too much. No, not at all. I will say $7 beers for the Colts game. That's a good price, relatively. Hey, I'm not fighting any of that. I'm just saying they can make their money. I'm just telling you, win Super Bowls, you'll make twice as much money. The jersey sales, everything yeah. else that comes you, along with it. Will, do you know how much a beer is at Soldiers? I, I don't. I don't know. Eighteen sounds about right. Is that right? It feels like it's it's in the double digits. I'll tell you that. I remember a yeah. chart that came out in the beginning of the year. It's like how much does it cost to go to a game? And for Chicago, like you said, like the concessions. 
were just so much higher. It felt like than any other team in the league. It's, and, it, it's but, always been like that. Yeah, $7 a beer. It, it can get dangerous. Just letting you guys know <laughs> <laughs> you, you can walk out with two That's, and it's the same as like, it's cheaper than one. And you're like, Hey, what do you know? But the, not that I know from experience. And just for the record, those seven bucks for a beer is ins- is insanely expensive. That's a case. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're still making a ton of dough at seven bucks a beer. We have Anthony over here. So you got one for twelve at the finale. Yeah, like okay. Twelve. Okay. Still twelve. They had they had Double some digits. surplus to just sell out. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, (laughs) anyway, we were all speechless from beer prices to uh, back to some football talk. Uh, Just going through our notes here. I know I think all of us were a little surprised to hear that Matt Nagy, you know, old friend alert, uh, getting a (laughs) chance to interview to be, if I'm not mistaken, as the Titans offensive coordinator. Yep. Mm -hmm. Wow. (sighs) I mean, look, anytime we like associate with, Patrick Mahomes, I think, you know, it's going to do good things for you, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, uh, what, how much you do, but I'm sure, yeah, obviously Matt Nagy had some, some parts to play there, but it's like another opportunity now that he doesn't have to be a head coach. I think that would be fine for Matt Nagy being an offensive coordinator. He doesn't have to manage everything. He was trying to call plays and doing so much here in Chicago, obviously didn't work, but maybe just as an offensive coordinator for the Titans. I don't know who's going to be their quarterback next year. That can make things a little bit more difficult as an OC, but yeah, it doesn't surprise me that his name is popping up again. I'll say that. I uh, get it, but like his play calling track record is so hot. Yeah. Even <laughs> I understand he was multitasking, but we never knew if he called plays in Kansas city or not. Like after like that one little stretch, like in the playoffs, I remember like the huge confusion around, was he calling plays in that final playoff mm-hmm. game for the chiefs or not? And then he came to Chicago and as Carm said, it sucked. Uh, so for him to get a chance after a year away, like, cool. Like if that's what the route they want to go, like it doesn't affect us. It's an AFC South team. Like, all right, great. But it's to me, it's there may be other better candidates out there just looking around the league and well, the funny thing too is, I mean, when he got the job from Kansas City to Chicago, we were all the, the, the biggest criticism he had is they didn't run the ball in the playoff game they lost. Then he comes mm-hmm. over here, and he has a propensity of not understanding how to run the football or have balance. At one point, they run a franchise record low seven carries in a game against the Saints, and he yep. says after has the audacity after the game to say, "Well, I didn't come here to run the I formation." Now he's interviewing for a job with one of the best running backs in football. Mm-hmm, true. And that's what they do there. You know, like, I don't know if he fits the profile of what the Titans are trying to do with the ground upon, unless he's learned the error of his ways. Like you guys said, there's probably better candidates out there that have an understanding of how to make a run game work. Phenomenal he, point. Know your roster. I was going to say, he literally had like an unofficial gap year because he was the quarterback's coach for Patrick Mahomes. That is the easiest job in the NFL. <laughs> he, just, he just has to show up and collect a check. That's yes. it. Well, they must have been impressed by that because you know that where they were all dancing in a circle and then yep. had that crazy play oh, yeah. where they threw like that was the Matt Nagy special. You know, he drew that up on a napkin somewhere. So that must have been what he was just what, doodling in this drawing circles. And he's like, hmm, <laughs> wait a minute. Good. What if we did this? Yes. <laughs> Sean Desai, you guys, another former yep. Bears, uh, you know, is interviewing what uh, from Gary with the Browns for their defensive coordinator. 
I know I, uh, Hogue, Hogue brought him up on the show earlier today, too. But, yeah, I like Sean Desai. I like what he's – I mean, I don't think he had the, the best situation here, but he's a smart dude. I, I, I like him a lot better than Matt Nagy being an OC. Ditto. Ditto. The problem for me with Nagy is you're a system guy. You are married to it. This is what we want to run. And to, to Bragg's point about the Titans, like, dude, this is not what he does. That this is yeah. not the ideal system that he wants to jump into. And by the way, I can't hire you. If I if you love Nagy's system, then you have to have the right players around it. Like, I'm telling you, this guy can coach us and he'll make them good. I could get it from that standpoint. Tennessee, you 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 don't even know what you're doing. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Derrick Henry in shotgun formation running the RPO. <laughs> <laughs> good luck. I like it. Jeez. Well, uh da, 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 da. I don't know. Do you guys still want to talk about Nagy? Didn't seem like it. No, good. I, I, thought... I, I, I I'm not rooting. By the way, I, so I'm not rooting against the dude. Like, go ahead and be a great high school coach. I think you'd be an awesome junior college coach. I think you'd be a great mid-level D1 guy. You know, I don't know. I kind of compare him to like when John Gross was at Illinois. You're way out over your skis at Akron. That feels that feels right for you. Like that's where he. That's where and that's where Matt Nagy belongs in my mind. We'll, we'll leave oh, it man. there. I think that's a great <laughs> that's a great ending point for us this evening. And you kind of alluded to it there, Mark, but Dable versus, of course, Eberflus. I know we wanted to have a little bit of discussion on that, and we went to the ad read. And I just want to make sure we do circle back to that. Uh, I know you kind of threw in your two cents. I chimed in after. Nick, Greg, any thoughts on did the Bears hire the wrong guy? Too early to tell. How do you feel about watching another first-year head coach doing what he's doing over there with the Giants? I know they are different situations. I will definitely preface that for you guys. Uh, I'm just curious <laughs> for your thoughts. I no, mean, like I was saying earlier, like what Dable's been able to do with that offense, there's not a lot of playmakers over there. And Daniel Jones has taken a step up. Saquon Barkley is there. But you look at the receivers, they don't have top-end guys. They don't. But Daniel Jones was able to get the most out of a lot of those guys. And they're still in the playoffs, obviously. But I think that's always going to be linked. You know, mm-hmm. Dable – and obviously, Eberflus, they were, you know, I, I was in favor of Dable. Like, I really wanted him to go get. And then uh, the general manager that uh, that also came from Buffalo. Um, but I think what he's able to do has been impressive. And if you get pick, put some more weapons around Daniel Jones, even for next season, they're, they're only going to get better in that system. And I think that's been – it's just been impressive to watch how they're able to – they know they're a team that's going to be run-oriented. And then Daniel Jones can pick up some things with his legs too. So seeing how they were able to make that work, you know, behind still a, a patched up offensive line. It's not like their offensive line is elite by any means, but they still made it work. And that, that's that been impressive. So it's too early to tell though, Will. Like Ibra Flues, would you rather have Dable? And maybe that's a cop-out answer, but I, I need to see what happens in year two between these two coaches and how things can change once you do hopefully get Justin Fields some playmakers and a stable offensive line. I mean, yeah, you talk about Matt Nagy, one coach of the year, his first year, and then the True. league figured him out. Now, Matt Nagy won that on the back of a defense that Vic Fangio led, whereas the Giants, in all, in all, you know, um, in all respect, got to the playoffs because of their offense and what Brian Dable's doing. Now, the question is, when Saquon Barkley leaves for free agency, unless they're going to franchise tag him, which I don't think they will, let's say he leaves, then how's that offense look? Because Saquon. 
is a hell of a player for them. Really helps out a lot of the things they're trying to do. I mean, he is just unbelievable, and he's back this year. Uh, but I'm not trying to hate on Brian Dable. The other thing I think we have to realize as Bears fans is, like, we're acting like we had the choice between the two. Uh, if you believe certain reports, he was never not go- – he was always going to, to New York from Buffalo. Yeah, they could have backed up the Brinks truck, and George could have <clears> flexed his, his, his muscles, and that might have tilted him to the Bears. I don't know. Most people say – if you read certain reports, he was going to the New York Giants no matter what, you know, coming over from Buffalo. So, you know, I don't know if we had the choice at him. If it was me, I would have picked an offensive head coach coming off this. People wanted to avoid it because of the train wreck that was Matt Nagy. But, um, you know, people say the Eberflus was a safe hire. I don't know. You know, but I definitely think it's too early to judge. Um, Eberflus deserves a lot of credit. For and and I think people lose short lose sight of this because of the final two games being as ugly as they were, but they were competing in every single game with the worst roster in the NFL. Don't you dare look bored down there, Carm, because it is the truth. And I think people forget that because of the last two weeks of the season. You lost me at a ton of credits. I, I I don't mean what to... else is he supposed to do? I mean, he made it, he did everything he could with this roster. As I pointed out at the end of the year, the fact that he got the secondary to develop and continue to play better in December with a pass rush that was the franchise worst pass rush they've ever had. You don't get better as a secondary when you're not getting to the quarterback. They were able to do that under this defense. They were. Are they perfect? No, but I just think there's there are bright spots you can look at. It's easy to go to the the low hanging fruit of everything that's wrong with this team. To me, there are bright spots to look at. It's not a finished product, and there still is a lot of questions to be answered, no doubt. I actually want to know what you guys believe the Bears are feeling after watching the playoffs because we saw how it all shaked out. The Bears played a lot of these teams, and they played most mm-hmm. of them well. You beat the 49ers. You only lost to the Giants by a score. You only lost to the Vikings in the first matchup by a score. <laughs> that was kind of kick your ass. Miami only <laughs> lost by three. Right. The Eagles only lost by five. The Bills, <laughs> they kicked your ass. But again, by, by and large, you were in those games. Right. They were and only down you're seven to the Bills in the, to start exactly. the fourth quarter of that game. Exactly. That speaks to your point, Will. You're talking parity, which mm-hmm. – yeah. Speaks to my point too that they competed against a bunch of playoff teams. That's yeah, trouble getting that one out. And where, where <laughs> I'm put, where I'm pushing back on you, my soldier, brick by brick, brags. I just don't like. I, I'm in on the flus. Let's go, flus. No problem. You're the guy. You've done. You did a good job. Fine. But I don't think we need to like bow down to him. And I, I also. Know. And well, there's a little bit of a bow going on about like that they played hard and they were competitive. That's dude. you've been saying it all year too. How good the culture in the locker room is. They, I, I that's true. Yes, they they and I you know Nick's been in there more than I have. I mean, well, you've been you've been you've been there after games which I which I haven't been. So I, you guys can speak to that better than me. But it's true. It it has been and. These dudes are playing for their livelihoods. Like if they weren't playing hard, that would be one of the most, that would, that would just be a huge condemnation of the, of the coaching staff. So I don't, I don't, I just don't want to completely give them too much credit. Like we played hard all year long when 
yeah, yeah, they played hard. They're a bunch of young guys that are fighting for their lives in the NFL. Of course they were playing hard. I, I just we are at a point with Lafleur's like. He did. He there's no. We're not trying to push him out the door, but I'm also not trying to sign him to a ten year extension either. At the same time, if that makes sense. Makes sense. Good point. Yeah, like that. And I think yeah. the whole like playing hard thing is that the reason why I respect it and I hold some stock to it is the lack of talent, uh, and then also that's literally like the first thing you told us when he got here. Like my teams were going to play hard. They're going to play with hustle. They're going to have intensity. We're going to be smart. And by and large, you saw it in chunks and spurts, but it was like, I guess an overarching like framework of the season. And I think it is that foundation that they keep talking about that they can grow from. And I know Nick and I talked about that a little bit on Friday too, from like a personnel Mm -hmm. standpoint. Uh, But I think from a culture standpoint, it was needed after the complacency and just the lack of effort that we saw under like the last, season of Matt Nagy not to bring him back up again right. I don't well that's the point yeah, Mark the tar, says they're but... playing for their livelihood and they're going to play hard no matter what they did not do that with Matt Nagy they let go of the rope with Matt Nagy they didn't play disciplined football you had guys fighting the New Orleans Saints Gardner's uh, Charles Gardner whatever his name is Johnson and then three months later in the playoffs you're fighting him again and the, <laughs> The, there was no respect for the head coach. There was no discipline. They did not care. Allen Robinson wanted to be out of here faster than your head could spin. He could have cared less about what he looked like on tape. He's like, get me out of here. So that that shows me that there are teams that completely like go of the rope and don't play hard, regardless of what their personal contracts meaning is. You know, so you know, I got I'm gonna give him some credit. I'm not well, throwing him a ticker tape. I'm just that's fair, but it was just such a horrible situation at the end of the nag era. He's getting fired at Thanksgiving. Okay. Oh no, we're Mm -hmm. not firing. We're going to dispute that (laughs) report. We're, you know, it was just, I mean, I, 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 you know, shaking hands with Tevin Jenkins on the last day in the locker room, like, you know, Hey man, you know, how how do you guys feel on, you know, at this point of the year, are you happy to just thrilled that it's over? You get to get out of here and just, you know, get your body right. It's like, it's like, that's, yeah, not really. It's like, that's how it was last year. That right now it's like more like unfinished business. Like these dudes are, are ready to actually prove that, you know, Hey, we've got something going on here versus like, get me the hell away from Matt Nagy and, and, right. and Ryan Pace. Yeah. I mean, and that excites me because mm-hmm. if they're looking at this offseason as a launching pad of uh, Hey, let's get back to work. And you add all that talent. I, I think, you know, the bears are going to have to spend a lot of money this off season. You got the draft cap. Like there will be an influx of talent, a youth influx and perhaps a good veteran influx too. So you take that, you mesh it together. There should be an interesting 2023 season. And again, we have a long off season to go. All right. So we were inspired by all of the, you know, the great games over the weekend, including that Jaguars comeback to kind of look at bears history and some plays that sparked some comebacks. And we'll talk about those in a minute, but first I want to tell you, a message from our friends over at DraftKings. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57. And for the NFL divisional round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 250 uh, Sorry, 200 I should clarify, 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can Take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. And of course, I love the DraftKings app. I put together a, what an 11 leg parlay this weekend. Hit on that, a couple other bets too. It's just so seamless. And that parlay, the reason why I hit on it is because I can kind of tease things to my liking. 
And when you get to tailor it and you trust yourself, good things happen. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code CHGO. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL division round to get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And I have to tell everybody about FOCO Chicago. You've already got the best coverage for your favorite team, so get fitted on the best sports gear around. FOCO's got you covered from Soldier Field to the front room, north or south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like DeMar with apparel from the leader in sports merch and collectibles, FOCO. Looking for that perfect gift for the football fan in your life? FOCO's got you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Check out foco.com or click the link in the description below for all non-presale items. Use promo code CHGO for 10% off. All right. As we kick off the final segment of tonight's show, I want to throw up this comment from Robert F. Because he says one great play was when, when Levy Smith went for two to win, giving the Bears the number one pick. That was legitimately one of the great plays in Bears history. Right there with you. You can't, we can't talk about that play enough or, or that game or really that weekend and how it all played out enough. It's going to be, I mean, it is just a monumental shift for this franchise. Thank you, Robert, uh, for bringing that up. Uh, going to like bear specific plays. I know when I saw this kind of pop up in our Slack for a talking point, right away just came all the plays in the second half of that Arizona game. I don't care if it's mm-hmm. Mike Brown's fumble recovery, Charles Tillman's fumble recovery after or like or stripped that ball from Edron James or Devin Hester's punt return. Like all three of those like immediately came to mind. It's still one of my favorite just nights ever being a Bears fan. It was like before mm-hmm. social media, really before a lot of people had internet and all my friends, and this is like eighth grade, they all went to bed like halfway through that game. Like, oh, then they all, we all went to school. And like, oh, so the Bears lost. I'm wearing my Rex Grossman jersey, feeling good. I'm like, oh, no, we won that game. Nobody believed me. We had to go like to the library, to a computer, to show them the box score because like no one thought the Bears could actually have pulled off a comeback like they did in that second half. And it was all defense and all special teams. And that's just such an epitome uh, of what it was to be a Bears fan back in 2005, 2006. But that was like the first thing uh, that came to my mind from like, you know, big plays. Uh, you got to talk about that Mike Brown one because it's really it's what kind of kicked it off. And Mike Brown always had a knack of making those big plays when it mattered. Yeah, well, I knew someone was going to mention some from that game because there's so many plays from it. The one that I was thinking of when I was kind of thinking of like this segment for us to talk about. I had I went to a game in 2009. It was Bears Vikings Monday Night Football, and it ended up going into overtime. I think I was around 15 years old at the time, I believe. But it was late in the game in overtime. Hunter Hillenmeyer actually causes a fumble on Adrian Peterson, and Nick Roach recovers the ball. Then the very next play, Jay Cutler throws a 39-yard touchdown dime to Devin and Robichaudu for the win. I was at that game. It was nuts, but. Speaking of game-changing plays, the, the force fumble, and then come right after and just go win the game with the deep touchdown pass that Devin Aroma should do. So that's that was the one I thought of for game-changing moments in, in Bears history for myself. Aroma should do. I love Devin Aroma should do. Uh, I'll be the old man on the show, 1985. Not to you know completely date myself, but uh, yeah, that was you know 12 years old, and uh, Thursday night. We've all, we all know the story. Down 17-9, third quarter. McMahon screaming at Ditka all game. Finally puts him in. First pass, Walter Payton with the sick block. 70-yard freaking bomb to Willie Galt. And then he threw two more, both to Dennis McKinnon. I think it was 43 and 25 yards. 
I can't really explain to the youth of America that I'm looking at right now how unbelievably fun it was, but it was so freaking fun. And McMahon, who should have been way more dedicated off the field to have had himself a, a longer career at the at the peak of his powers, which he didn't do, but he was such a winner. Uh, it, it almost brings a tear to the eye, honestly, thinking about how much fun that was in that on that Thursday night performance. Ditka, too, he would show up at like practice at Hallis Hall. All the TV cameras were there. That's when he, everybody watched the local news. And he showed up in the roller skates one day, saying like, because well, they were going up to Minnesota, he wanted to dog their dome, calling it the roller dome. So he's roller skating around uh, like to the TV cameras. It was great. Wow. A lot of fun. <laughs> Love Jim McMahon, baby, and it's he's behind Bragg. So nine was he was just he was sweet when he was on his game. Yeah, I mean, I was people mentioning Keith Trailers, uh, fumble return. Mm-hmm. That was the first mm-hmm. game I ever went to in the stands at Soldier Field in my life. Wow. Um, I had we went to a lot of Bulls. I went to a few Bulls games in the Jordan era. Was luck, grateful enough or lucky enough to be able to see that a few times. Went to a lot of baseball games, but never went to football games and that was the final home game regular season at soldier field. And I told my mom, I was like, I got to see old soldier field before they renovated. And so I went and they clinched the division against the Jaguars and Keith trailer returns a fun or interception uh, like 80 yards. And he's like looking around to hand it off. And uh, yeah, I went by myself. So I'm just kind of embracing everyone around me that I didn't even know. <laughs> and it kind of made me like, you know, I was already a huge bears fan, but that kind of like cemented, like the crazed bears fan that I am today. And then of course, Devin Hester, I'm never going to not bring up Devin Hester. When we talk about things like this, mm-hmm. um, my wife and I, when we were early in our dating years, we went to uh, in his rookie season, his first career touchdown at soldier field, when they clinched the division against the Minnesota Vikings uh, and Chris Cluey kind of tried to cough and kick it. It rolls. Mm-hmm. He picks it up. He splits like five defenders, peanut Tillman and the whole gang, you know, kind of help barrel roll him into the end zone. And um, I had told this guy right before the kick, he was like getting up to go to the bathroom. I was like, you're going to miss the show. Sit down. You're going to miss this. <laughs> and then he hits the, the return. And before he even got in the end zone, I'm turning around, grabbing this guy going, I told you, I told you. And <laughs> brick juice. Yeah. Brick That's juice. Awesome. That's uh, awesome. It was just a great moment. So uh, those are the two that stand out the most for me, at least being in the stands. Uh, I saw one about Peanut Tillman ripping the ball out from Randy Moss. I know we had an episode mm-hmm. earlier last year uh, with Jack Silverstein from uh, Windy City Gridiron. Great dude. And I remember we were live and he's like, hey, they actually made a Randy Moss card with that photo used for Randy Moss. And I bought that card and it's sitting like <laughs> 20 feet behind me. I was really hoping I had it on my desk still from that's what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. I was like, do I still have it over here on my desk? But it actually moved to like an actual proper spot. Uh, but it's awesome to actually own uh, that sucker now. Another one that came to mind was 2015, first year doing the Bears Brothers podcast and doing only post-game shows that year before I actually met you, Nick. Uh, but that was the Zach Miller one-handed touchdown grab on Monday Night mm. Football to beat yep. the Chargers. I just heard, like just laying up for it, and it just hit his hands. Cuddy put it on the spot. That was a fun one, and that's when I was, you know, just starting the podcast, and everyone at school uh, for sports journalism was like, "Hey, how that post game show? That had to be fun." Like we're all watching the highlights in the morning at ESPN, and oh yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a that's the one where like, oh yeah, the Bears can actually be kind of good under Don Fox, maybe. Mm-hmm. No, uh, but that yeah. was that was a highlight for sure. Good one. You just made me think back to uh, his his last year when we. 
at good old WGN Radio. We literally had a fox hanging in the studio to celebrate the end of his career, which I don't know if that I don't know if that Wait, was, was, was it like but like it wasn't by the neck, was it? No. Whatever we did would not have been anywhere close to okay. Um, and I was just like, this is All right. This, this is not this is not correct. But but it spoke to how much you're like, will you please get out of here? Please. Uh, your 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 four years have been an utter disaster of epic proportions. Then you know it was twelve and four, and we had it. We were gonna do it, and then we didn't. And then the most recent memories, the 2018 season. I went to every home game, including the final fateful loss to the Eagles, but went to every home game that year, but the Patriots game uh, or the, yeah, it was, it was Patriots, I think with Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And I never got to see Tom Brady. The tickets were way too much that day, but every game that year, the six touchdowns was insane. Watching people like look around at each other. Like we have never seen this before. Um, but mm-hmm. the thing that stood out was the primetime game being in the stands for the Kirk cousins, prime time where he was like oh they they picked us to be on prime mm-hmm. time and then the bears just hit him in the mouth eddie jackson with a pick six and like that season with the club dub and the vibes of that team and their touchdown celebrations were just so much fun mm-hmm. and yeah they did the row the boat mm-hmm. and everybody's in the line i got a great video of that and like the vibe of that moment um that was another great moment, game changing, because that was like, all right, they're going to the playoffs now. And then they beat the Rams on primetime a few weeks later mm-hmm. at home, and that was also an epic home game. I'm hoping for some of those next year. I'm hoping for more of those Eddie Jackson vibes next year mm-hmm. where he gets some pick sixes and uh, we can start really enjoying, uh, you know, talking about a winning team on this uh, football field. So that's that's where I leave it. I'm with you. I've been podcasting about the Bears since 15, and we've had <laughs> a, a season and a half that you can count as a, like a winning season. Has that been mm-hmm. about it? Like right, 2018, yeah. and then do you count 2020? I don't really count 2020. Oh, it's it miserable. Was, yeah, no. but that's been about it. So no, I'm with you. It's it's only it's so many not. times you can do this. Like we got to do something different, and I it's not sl- on us. It's on them. I sl- right. I slightly enjoyed when they were five and one that year, but. We all knew it was smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. Yep. Too much oh, Mitch cool. versus Foles. That was the problem. It was yeah, like it was, we couldn't focus on the team because everybody wanted to argue about the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, and now we never argue about the quarterback. No, I kid. That's all we do. Yeah. We had that for <laughs> yeah. a bit. I will say there was like a four-week stretch where I, everyone was holding hands and singing Kumbaya, Justin Fields is the guy. Well, that's why I'm on a heater on Twitter lately because I'm sitting there. I got all these people. I don't know since the offseason started – Got all these people like beating me down about that. Justin Fields is not a good quarterback. And I'm like, what did I, how did we get here? I didn't, I didn't think in a million years when the season ended that this would be the biggest question. I guess I should have known better, but like, I think if we had been picking three or four or five, this whole quarterback controversy that we're under with this constant conversation of what they're going to do probably wouldn't have happened. But the fact that we lucked our way into number one, now we're like vaulted back into this. Are we going to take Bryce Young or, or Justin? And it's like, it's driving me insane. Cause I'm like, am I, 
did I for did I have like a delusion during the year that made me believe that Justin Fields is a good player? Then I go back and watch some of these games, and I went back and watched like some of the games he was on a heater for. I'm like, no, he is a good quarterback, and I'm not gonna listen to these meatballs tell me he's not. And I cannot wait for him to prove all these players wrong and shut everybody up. Love it. There the we go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in the chat, Robert F., uh, great Bears years that he remembers. 01, 06, 10, 18. Boy, I wish there was more than that since the start yeah. of the new millennium. <laughs> My first year watching the Bears was 01. I was in third grade. I was seven years old. Didn't really know what I was watching. Wish I could have appreciated it a little bit more. I just remember 13 <laughs> and 3. I remember going up against the Eagles in the playoffs. Two dudes hit their heads so hard that it took them like 10 minutes to get the helmets pulled off of oh, one another. It was that, a huge yeah. stoppage mm -hmm. for that. And that's all I remember from that season, other than a lot of sharing number 54. <laughs> well, the other on. thing that was memorable about that night, and Mark might remember this because he's a staunch Jordan fan like, such as myself, but the Bears played the Eagles in the playoffs that night, and Jordan had returned to Chicago as a wizard to play the Bulls on the same day, correct? Wow. Yeah, oh. that is it's a true story. And yeah, I was at I was at that game, and they and that's when Ray Clay got fired because he said he wanted to introduce michael the same way that he always introduced him and uh that didn't fly with upper management with the old bulls but uh Dick yeah uh, it's come on come on man uh that's that's that standing ovation never ended it just kept going and going and going and going and going and i was rightfully like, so rightfully damn that so yeah exactly exactly yeah. <laughs> all right any final thoughts guys before we wrap up tonight's show go tom brady no but again, again, I don't care. I, I don't. I, I love watching the Cowboys lose in the playoffs. It's like an True. annual tradition go. here at the house. I'm I'm walking over to Flo and Santos, gonna enjoy some uh, some cuisine and watch the first half, and come back and watch the second. So uh, I'll be enjoy. I'll be watching a half hour earlier than planned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Again, my apologies. I will. This will never. I will never put myself in this position again. So, um, but loafs, uh, loaf. That's the Send last. Send them loaf. some Wonder Bread. Yep, yep, yep. But uh, <laughs> live and learn. So glad we were able to do this tonight, guys. A lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely, always is. Greg, Nick, anything else? Nope. Oh, not I'm Nick. Right. Go. Did enough. I got to go back to harassing people on Twitter now. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. You keep up the harassment. You don't hang any more foxes, and we're not going <laughs> to root for Tom Brady. That's how I'm going to close tonight's show. Thanks for everyone for tuning into this night uh, for this After Dark edition here uh, for this week. We really appreciate it. If you haven't yet, head over to like Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever it is on your phone or your device. Leave us a review. We love to see those come in. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Let us know who you think the Bears should find in free agency or the draft. We'd love to see all your comments kind of throw uh, you know, throw themselves towards us uh, in that avenue. And if you haven't yet, go to allchgo.com slash diehard. Become a diehard. Join our community that we're growing here. We're really proud of it. And it's really only getting started here. And we'd love to see you uh, kind of join as well. But thanks again, everyone. We'll see you soon. But until next time, bear down, Chicago.